Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 37. Glad you could join us. In today's episode, the cast is joined by Mrs. Therese Prudlow in a continuation of our discussion on allowing yourself to discover true and necessary leisure. We hope you'll find lots of tips in this episode, along with a healthy dose of encouragement to enjoy a Sabbath, go out to your personal desert, and recharge your batteries by embracing the fifth day. Enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. And I'm Jordan. After slipping through a thousand cracks, I completed a PhD in history and literature of ancient Christianity at Göttingen University in Germany. Now I teach Greek and Latin at Colby and serve as the Director of Public and Alumni Relations. Last week, we were discussing the idea of embracing the fifth day. Good to have you back, Therese. Well, I'm excited for us to talk about this again. This will be fun. Yeah, there's lots more that we can really explore in with this whole concept. Since we threw out this idea of embracing the fifth day, this phrase that you came up with, Therese, which is gaining some traction, is kind of the words getting out on the embracing the fifth day. What have you all been hearing in response to that notion from teachers, families, administrators? Other folks? I, well, on my end, it's just, you know, it's, it's become more and more of a, um, a topic of conversation or, or, or part of the language, the verbiage of us even discussing things with each other. You know, it's come to sort of be synonymous with saying, take a moment, let's stop for a minute, let's pull back, let's, let's remember why why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just about, you know, task to task um, all day, every day that has to be finished. I mean, there's there's other moments that are important. And so it's, it, I, I think it's neat to be able to hear different people talk about it and, and embrace it. And I brought it up to some of my classes even and, and sort of, you know, said, well, what do you guys think about this idea of the fifth day? What do you all, and I, you know, I was taking a poll, especially some of my older students that have been in Colby for a while, and said, what are you doing on your, how do you spend your fifth day? And, and they had all sorts of different answers. Some of them, you know, I take it to catch up on homework. I take it to catch up on sleep. I take it to uh, all sorts of different things that they um, sort of do on that fifth day of the week, that extra, that extra day uh, that we have. And um, you know, and some of them, you know, they, they say, you know, they take that time for uh, spiritual life and prayer or, you know, they say, oh, that's when my family, we, we go to mass or we and we maybe do uh, go to the library and it becomes an event. And then others are saying, oh, that's the day my mom goes grocery shopping and, you know, practical. So it was a, um, but it's become in, it, it's, it's been interesting seeing how it's slowly becoming part of the uh, just the conversation and I think it, becoming a moment of reflection for us to say you know even my husband the other day is like 
don't forget to embrace the fifth day this week. You know, when I was, it was so busy, um, you know, midterms week, everyone's taking their midterms, but it's actually, you know, it can be quite busy as us teachers were catching up on grading papers, getting set for the next quarter. And he says, no, just take, go, go take your fifth day. You said you needed to take it. So it, it's a hopeful phrase, I think. Yeah, last, last, after the, um, the last conversation we had, I, I had a lot going on the next day and, um, and, and there was a lot of preparation that I was, should have done that day. And I, it's, it's like, I had to consciously tell myself, no, you should spend this time in, in another way. So I, I, I was playing board games with my kids and doing some of this stuff. And my, my dad has, he, he said sometimes, cause he, he tries to get us to not work so much, but he said, um, you know, just, just take it easy. The work will be there when, when you come back to it. And that's kind of uh, what happened. And I, I realized in hindsight, yeah, I really needed to do that. I mean, little as much, uh, and, and God can multiply things in ways that we can't imagine. And so there's lots of times where we're now, since then, I've been trying to, trying, I guess, to, to even have the, the fifth day or have a little rest at times when I wouldn't normally normally be able to justify that time. I don't know if you guys been finding similar things now that we're talking about this. Sure, I think I sort of have a leg up, I think, as and not unfair advantage, but a little bit of an advantage having been at home with kids for however many years now, figuring out how to manage the time that I had at home with the needs of the family and the tasks that needed to be done and incorporating homeschooling into that in the past few years. I have learned to capitalize on those pockets of time that present themselves. They're not always when I plan them to be. Certainly they were not when kids were little. We had a routine going and of course it was not ironclad or anything, but those opportunities, those little moments of time and rest of varying length would present themselves. And I learned to appreciate them when they came. If I had an expectation of having them at that time and they didn't work out that way, I found that to be very disturbing. and. I would get rather upset about it. I eventually learned to not have that ex expectation necessarily and to know that the moment was coming at some point, maybe not exactly when I wanted it. If I needed to create it, I had to make that happen. But I have my antenna up a little bit to be on the lookout for these moments of, of opportunity for a little bit of catching my breath or changing gears a little bit or um, freshening up somehow if I need to get up and move around or get a drink of water or something like that, I have been able to eventually look at it differently so that I don't dictate like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And because that's just not where I am. And I've got too many influences on my time that are beyond my control right now. It might not always be like that, but but I have made my peace with that, I think. And so I've been able to to apply that attitude toward the present, embracing the fifth day, even if it's in small increments. What you're saying reminds me of an old Jennifer Fulweiler blog post. I looked it up and it's actually from 2008. We'll put it in the uh, show notes. But she talks about the Missionary of Charities daily schedule. And then she talks about what the schedule would look like if she made it. And so the missionary's schedule is like, get up, time for toiletries, time for mass, time for breakfast, time for breakfast, clean up. They work a couple of hours. They have a tea break, things like that. And and Jen Fulweiler says, no, no, no. If if I was setting this schedule, it would be 
wake up at the last possible second, make it to mass, feel good about making it to mass, but be making a list of everything in my head that I have to do next. The tea break would get pushed to the side because obviously there's important charitable work to be done. Who has time for tea? And and it's this great reflection on, on recognizing that that's her tendency and then thinking about, wait a second, the missionaries of charity are amazing in the outreach that they can do in the balance that they live their lives. And so they take tea breaks and they build in time in the day for little things like that. So I like that hope. I mean, I like and both what well, you had too, Bonnie, I think that goes really well together is that, uh, and I think that's important in what we're talking about with the fifth day. I mean, you know, we build it in at Colby. You know, we have it built in our course plans. We have it built into our online school, but also keeping in mind our own personalities and our own traits and our own needs of our, ourselves, of our children, of our families. Um, keeping that will help us make that balance. In other words, that we don't have to have this magical day that you find that you have to fit in in one specific way, that you have to find what works in that way. And because it should be, as you said, and I like this term you used, Bonnie, it, it should be refreshing. It's a refreshment. That's what that that's what the fifth day is. It's it's refreshing to us to allow us to continue in the work we're doing. Right. I mean, we're in this classical school. We're 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 studying um, classically, and that and that means the subjects we do, but also means we're we're forming a whole person, the whole for person. And and as a person, we we need refreshment. We need to be to feel that refreshing attitude, and in order to to have time to contemplate. You know, that's where if you if you can't refresh yourself, you're not going to feel uh, relaxed enough even to to contemplate some of these things. It's not always about you know. A, B, and C, it's it's about those moments in between that you, you can actually reflect on why this is the case. Um, why, you know, why did this particular uh, person I'm reading about in history, why did they act in the way they did? It's not just memorizing names and dates. It's, it's reflecting, as I, I like to always try to get my students to reflect on it. That's what their essays are on, reflection. And so I think looking at the fifth day in that way as, as a refreshment and a, and a balance with ourselves, I think could be really, really helpful. I like that. Yeah. And not all moments are created equal, you know, and it's, it's um, when I was a, an evangelical Protestant, something that was really popular was uh, the 40 days of purpose by Rick Warren and all these churches were doing 40 days of purpose one of the things um, that he said, he, he turned it into like kind of a gimmick, but one of the things was was um, take 40 days to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So his idea was, you know, take take this uh, little section of time and just focus and kind of recreate and become very focused on what you're going to be doing after this. Um, there is something about that that makes sense. There's a lot of um, even in the in the Bible, there's a lot of talk about time and some, sometimes it takes effort. So Jesus himself was waking up very early to get away, to 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 get away from people and have his have his time alone like that. And and uh, and then it's Jesus who says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So when we think about that, we think of it 
the the rebels that we are as humans, we think, ooh, that means uh, to, we can break the rules because you know we weren't made for for this. This thing was made for us. But I think there's a deeper meaning, which is really interesting. And if you focus on the fact that the Sabbath was made for us, you know, and rather than we're not made for the Sabbath, but the, but it was it was made for us. And in the creation accounts, where the idea of a Sabbath comes in. Um, nobody ever thought that God rested on the seventh day because he was tired, but there's another purpose there for, for that rest. And there have been cases in history where societies have, have tried to move away from even the seven-day week, uh, work week or whatever, seven-day week, and, and it never works. It can't, it can't work for whatever reason. We need, we need these times. I find it fascinating what you said, Bonnie, about the if we— or I'm sorry, hope if we try to um, if we try to make our own schedule, monastic schedule or whatever, we would we would wreck it. My wife's really into Hildegard von Bingen, and I'm I'm amazed. What what was she? How did she accomplish so much? And then one of the things that my wife pointed out to me was she's very against working, doing any kind of work at night. And uh, for, for whatever reason, and I, I was like, really, how, how did she invent her own language and discover all these, you know, <laughs> but but for whatever reason, um, I think it stems from something like that. These a monastic schedule where little becomes much in a way that we can't make it our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, this should be no surprise to any of you that I'm going diving for C.S. Lewis again, <laughs> but he just always has so many things that fit into our discussions and screw tape letter 15 is about the present moment. If our listeners aren't familiar with screw tape letters, it's all reverse psychology. It's a master tempter devil writing to his nephew. Um, and so in the screw tape letter 15, the master tempter devil says, get them to get humans to ignore the present for the present is the point at which time touches eternity. What the devils are trying to prevent humans from doing is to have a family who, having worked all day for the good of posterity, if if that is their vocation, washes his mind of the whole subject, commits the issue to heaven, and returns at once to the patience or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. I think that fits really well. And I I love this idea of, you know, looking at it from the, the standpoint of, you know, like you said, in the screw tape letters, he's trying to stop them from resting, because that's what what we need, just like, I mean, right? I mean, Christ, God is always trying to show us. Uh, that's why Christ becomes man and comes, you know, in the incarnation is is to show us. And and we're so many examples of Christ resting and taking moments and and like you said, walking off by himself to take that little bit of time. That it and it's in, it's important. It's you know, we can have that tendency. To say no, we have to keep working, and we have to we have to you know we have to put in so many hours a week, and if we don't do that, we we're not successful. You know, oftentimes we we find that those people that um, are the happiest are the ones that are you know both doing their work diligently and they're getting it done, but they're taking those moments, those those human moments to be with each other. Um, not even just by them by themselves, which is very important, but also with each other um, and their families, with their friends and and stopping and and sort of standing back and and taking that time. Um, I know we uh, when we first started traveling, um, we would have these uh, one time we were invited out. 
by one of my husbands. Uh, he was in graduate school and he'd met up with with a scholar that he was using a pay. He was getting a paper from. They said, "Oh no, come, you must come to to um, to brunch with us after mass on Sunday." And we had little tiny kids and, and we're like, "Okay." So we went there. Brunch, lunch. It was like lunch. It lasted for four hours. You just. But a lot of it was just being with each other. Like they just, they, there was no sense of rushing or going anywhere because they said, no, this is the time to visit, to contemplate, to, you know, let the kids play, let them do this. And we're, you know, we're talking or just being together. And there was other people there as well, because it was like a family type restaurant and people would just came in and joined in and, and having these conversations or even just sitting quietly with each other. But it was just, it was what you did. You you took that moment. I thought I always thought it was it struck me that first um, sort of example that I had had of it's like oh you mean we don't have to rush off after forty you know thirty or forty minutes of sitting down to eat no it's it's the whole event taking the moment together. And then on the flip side of that that idea of just taking the time is important for not just the pleasant areas of life, but also the disputes and the um, the personality conflicts that inevitably happen when you spend a lot of time with people. I have had several classes or trainings or whatever you want to call them on negotiation and mediation in my professional life. And one of the very first things that both my negotiation and mediation professors have said is, you cannot shortcut the negotiation dance. There are things that only happen at 4 p.m., you can't start the day and expect them to happen right away. You also can't start the day at three o'clock and expect that they'll still happen at four o'clock. There are, only, there are moments in dispute resolution that can only come about when you've been there all day, you've been present. And so I think that's important because it goes both ways. It goes for the good things and for the struggles. That's something that I think is very close to a lot of families is that when there's a lot of togetherness, it's great. And then some days it's just too much. And that's part of it. The system's not broken if that's happening. That's so funny. That reminds me of when I was growing up and my brother and I, we would fight and we get, you know, and my mom would just say, we're fighting. And she said, okay, now you have to go and spend time together. So go play. You have to, you, you, you can't separate. You have to go and work. And so and we would just be fuming and then eventually everything would be fine. You know, someone would punch someone else in the shoulder and then everyone was happy and they'd hug it out or whatever. But um, <laughs> we were close in age. But uh, know that it's sort of funny you say that, that but it took, you know, she she sort of knew instinctively that, no, actually, rather than separating us, no, you guys need more time together. <laughs> it's going to make you get along. So I think that's, that's, that's interesting hope that you brought that up. It just reminded me of, of that. <laughs> the only way to the other side is through it, not around it. Yeah. The, the, I love that, that you can't shortcut the ne negotiation dance because so much is a, is a routine. So, so much is, is almost ritual that, that we do in our interactions and um, I might have said in the last episode, but I, I think this is so fascinating. The the founder of Colby, Mrs. Diane Muth, um, when they talked about when she would come home from a long day and whatever, and she had 10 kids, she would go straight to her room and she would say, I'm going to my desert. And and, and she, she called it her desert. She had to get away 
just for this time and then she would come down and be ready to start dinner to do all these things and i think that's a really good lesson i i encourage my wife to do that sometimes you know because i can tell she just needs it and just just the same thing i say do like mrs mute and go to your desert just get away for a few minutes and you'll be you'll be recharged so working in those routines some people know that they absolutely need them and um that's that was one of the things I, I did also after last episode was I was actually the Spaniard that I am thinking I should take a siesta once in a while. So I did a few times. I laid down after lunch and I, I'd fall asleep for about 15 minutes. And um, I think I even messaged Bonnie after one and said I took a took a siesta. But yeah, I need to work that into my daily routine, maybe. I really admire that because I can't come back from something like that it takes me so long to wake back up so long to fall asleep in the first place. And then so long to wake back up. I can't do the power nap. I can't do it. Did the siesta work? It worked. And I guess I've been uh, trying to take a siesta as often as possible and it, it's been working and it's short. It's like, I didn't even, sometimes I didn't even feel like I slept, but I, I'm surprised. Oh, 20 minutes went by. And I felt recharged. I felt ready to go afterwards. So <laughs> we used to call them power naps in college. We used to, I used to have a uh, a fellow student a friend of mine. He would he was like the king of power naps. He would just put his head down in his study carol, completely fall asleep for ten minutes, and get back up recharged. Of course, with a large you know spiral mark probably on his face sometimes. But yeah, we call them those power naps. <laughs> But no, I think that I, I think, again, it's it sort of leads into this idea of, of taking those moments and that it's OK to stop for a moment. I think I think in a, specifically in, a, in America, we pro, we see a lot of this. Right. We're, we're so we're so tied to this, the five day work week and you have to work from nine to five and you have to work continuously during that time with just maybe 15 minute breaks here and there. Um, that we forget that it it is in those little moments. It's it's taking that moment, going to the water cooler, getting to know your your colleagues, having that maybe an hour lunch, you know, so that you can have those like you were saying, hope those those times to negotiate and to discuss, you know, and people to be friendly with each other in those moments. Um, hope uh, uh, you had done a, a class a while back uh, talking, and you were talking about. Um, Justice Scalia and and Ruth Ginsburg, and it reminded me of yeah. that friendship that you were telling us about with, between them. You know, these are two people that that were completely on opposite sides of of arguments, and yet they they would take moments and and maybe even embracing a fifth day, like we're talking about here. And and it's those moments that they took that built a friendship and built a, a discussion and dialogue. Um, that really made them both appreciate and understand each other's positions sometimes, which I, I, it just it reminded me of that. Oh, that is one of my favorite stories. I, I look up to them and their friendship so much. And you're right how they took the time to encounter each other as humans long before and long after they ever took the bench. And actually, all nine Supreme Court justices shake hands with each other before they take the bench for argument. I think that that moment of we're all working for this rule of law and that idea of just shaking hands is so human and 
I enjoy hearing you tell these stories about the justices and their humanity. And I was actually thinking earlier about us needing to take breaks, us needing to catch our breath. It's all too easy to think, I don't have time to do that. Everyone needs me right now and they need me indefinitely and I just have to keep going. And that's, there should be a screw tape letter about that. Like tell the moms that they've have got to run themselves into the ground because they'll believe that very easily. And and the dads and not just moms, but parents and caregivers that it's all on them. Like this has come up before that for caregivers of whatever stripe and educators, it's all on you to do. And, and it's not. It's- I like the desert of uh, Mrs. Smith. That's, that's excellent. Um, yeah. I really like that. I think, it, I think it goes really well with this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it's, and, and that I, I referenced last time we were talking um, how I hadn't really embraced the fifth day as an entire day in the in sort of the Colby meaning of this, where we have a, a fifth school day that that is given back sort of to the family. But I know when when I was in Germany and I described it in the last episode, but when I was doing this, when we actually had time to to go and and we made time to go and do things that were very simple, but felt very significant. Kind of like like um, your description, Teresa, of, of you know spending four hours with people and just talking with them. And we, we had a routine, we were living on this campus where we had to eat at set times because that's when the food was there. And so you had to eat with everybody. Even if you maybe don't like this person a lot, you may end up sitting right across from them. And um, you like everybody when you're having a glass of wine and eating a, a decent meal with them and you're really hungry, you're happy to see that person. And um, that was really part, I think, of the that whole experience, my best memories of of having time to do to do things. And and it was around that time that I was reading Seneca, who's one of my my he's my favorite pagan. I think I've talked about him before on other episodes, but Seneca in his first letter to Lucilius, his first letter is all about time. And he even says in there, all things are foreign to us. And in his meaning, he means they are not ours. So nothing is ours except time. He says time alone is ours. And so from his perspective, I think that's a really interesting thought to arrive at is that the only thing that you can control is is time it's something you're given and you treat and you treat it cheaply um and so moments that that could be significant so i said not all moments are created equal maybe they are maybe we're the ones who sort of cheapen them by saying "Mm, maybe i should answer my emails right now even though something uh better is going on with my kids playing out front or something like that you know i don't know I think we see this idea of gathering, especially for sharing meals, going all the way back to the Greeks. Is it, Therese, you would know this better than I do, but I seem to remember a line in the Iliad about, and they put forth their hands to the good things to eat. And seeing that as a constant across human history or like the asparagus moments that we've talked about before, that that's another food connection. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, no, meals have always been an important part because it is a it's it's a moment when you you have to sit, right, and 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 discuss and and have that otium the the leisure to sit and 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 talk about things and um 
everyone, you know, and everyone has to take those pauses to eat as well, which I think always helps with conversation and, and such. But um, yeah, no, I, I love these podcasts because it is, it, it's always exciting to see the directions these conversations take. Yeah, I mean, that that meal one is important. Think about um, if you've seen the movie Elf, how the the dad, the bad dad is like, I've got a bunch of stuff to do. I'm going to take my my meal in my room. I feel like that sometimes I'm busy and I'm working even in the evening. And I'm like, you guys, you guys eat. I'll get mine in a minute. And then when I do, I'm like trying to do one handed working at my computer. Um, and they, even even uh, even Hollywood knows that that's uh, that's that. Maybe that's the screw tape element, you know? They're even showing him as the bad guy. Even Hollywood is showing that. Jordan, do you make sure you get your your four food groups, candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup? <laughs> yeah, I leave I leave that to my kids. I let them eat that and I just <laughs> I'm I'm totally healthy. I eat every, only health food for me. <laughs> I love that. I remember there was a movie I'd seen years ago and it it's based on this idea, I think it's a I think it's a Dutch movie um but it's it's based on this idea of a meal this this woman she's been destitute and she goes to live uh with these two spinster sisters and they're very very poor um it's called babette's feast i don't know if you'd ever seen that one before but every week or every month she would put in for a lottery to and she wins this lottery this french lottery that and um she decides that it turns out, and I don't want to give away the secret uh, about her background, but she makes this beautiful meal. Um, she spends all of her lottery winnings to buy these fantastic ingredients and builds and and you know these two sisters that she'd been cooking and cleaning for. They they ate very simple fish and plain bread and and everything was very very simple every day. But she wanted to give a gift back to them, and she has this beautiful meal, and everyone is invited in the town, and they just. And people who were, who were quiet before or didn't want to talk. I mean, it was just this beautiful time of, of sharing and talking with each other uh, during this meal. And meals are just are, are so important. Setting that time for leisure. And I think it can also be the time to cook. You know, the cooking portion of the meal can also be important. We're trying lately. My, my son, he's taken to um, he's very much interested in cooking. And so we've been doing cooking lessons like once a week and he makes dinner now. And and we have that time where we're all in the kitchen together, sort of. And he's learning how to do something and asking questions. And of course, he's um very insistent that you know he he's going to be in charge of certain things but uh you know we we share that sort of time together we're trying we're trying to share that time together to uh take those moments so we're going to cook and then we're going to eat and we're going to talk and maybe watch a, a show in the evening and, and talk about it i love that and as you've been relating the story of babette's feast and the way the time is spent the the way we think about time Something big for me over the past several years that informed very much our, my part of the decision about homeschooling is the idea of time being a gift. The time we have right now, it's all gift. We're not entitled to it. And it's part of my daily prayer that we live the day as the gift that it is. And as you're talking also about the gift of the feast she prepared, it's hard to receive gifts sometimes. It's easier to give them than receive them. So those are two aspects of the gift that came to mind as you were talking. And I think that's that's the thing. And and for me, you know, seeing this sort of when I started my homeschool journey with my own kids when they were little and I mean, having been homeschooled 
myself, I it was definitely um, it, it's a reminder that to have that moment. You know, it's it's so easy to say, let's just keep doing school. Let's just keep working. But I think it, it's nice. And, and sometimes you might need to do those things. But it's also good that there's a reminder that just take a moment and stop. Have that, um, as you said, Jordan, have that Sabbath, sort of the rest, that little bit of time to, to reflect. You speaking about Babette's Beast and the gift she gave to her community and the gift of time each day, the gift of the fifth day being what it is, and, and we can divvy it up across the days. It's not, I mean, we, we think of it as a fifth day, but it doesn't have to be the whole day. It, in very many cases, it, it likely won't be. So one of the ways that we incorporate that in our family is observing a hard stop on a school day. On the days that are school days, we have a pretty solid stop stopping point at three o'clock here if we're not already finished. And actually, it applies to the younger students more so than the high schoolers because there is a lot of work. He seems to be on a different schedule anyway. Um, so so it's not so much him, but but the younger ones definitely. It's by the, that mid afternoon. It's it, we're pretty much finished. And if it and then we can use other uh, blocks of time later to to finish what didn't get finished then and and make better, just do better all around that way. I would say our family does some. I mean, I don't know if we have a hard stop. Um, I think when they were younger, we did. As my kids got older and into high school. Um, they really began making their own schedules. And, and I think a lot of parents, you know, when you when your kids do, it's there's a threshold, right? Once they cross a certain threshold in homeschooling, um, and this was even the case when I was growing up, there was this moment where my mom just sort of said, oh, here, go do your school. And so we would find our own, our own schedule and she would be working with the younger ones. I mean, there was definitely this, there was like this moment where we became, self-educating I guess as homeschool kids and and I saw it happen with I didn't intentionally looked for it to happen but I, I saw it happen with my own uh, children as they went on and so um, as they got older they didn't have so much of a hard stop but we would have we definitely did have a stop so my husband would come home usually it would um, because of his schedule sometimes it sometimes it would be earlier in the day and so we would have this sort of there'd be the stop everyone sort of visits doing something we'd make dinner and then maybe later in the evening everyone would sort of scatter to someone wanted to do the reading someone wanted to write a paper someone wanted to do their latin homework to get it turned in <laughs> the next day or uh things of that nature so um i think the kids as they got older started sort of embracing their own schedule uh as it were but there, i definitely found there was this little moments where we, I would remind them, say, no, it's time for you to take a break. You need to just walk away for, I know you're, you know, you're stressed or you have a lot of things that you want to do, but you no, know, you need to stop now and actually rest for a little bit. And they, and I think they um, have, uh, it's been, it was good. It was good to, to, to be a reminder. And I think that's what that, right, the fifth day is. It's, it's that reminder that it's okay to stop. It's okay. It, the work, as you said, I think, Jordan, you said it will be there tomorrow, like your dad would say, right? It, it, it's still going to be there. And sometimes stopping and refreshing and is going to allow you to be more energized to complete what it is you have to do. 
later on. Well, that's one of the things I, I love about the the whole concept, Therese, of of embrace the fifth day. And why why when they told me about it, what would you how you had said it, I was like, wow, that's perfect because it's almost like now you know there's other people doing it too. And not only it's it's strange that that you have to be told in a way to 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 do that. I, I remember somebody they sent us home from a job a work a construction job i was doing a long time ago and somebody said you don't have to you don't have to tell me to have a good time like as a joke as we were leaving and i was thinking that's that's pretty funny but in this case it's almost like you do have to be given permission and i don't know where the pressure comes from but i see it a lot with students our students are very driven um, I, I did this talk the other night about language learning online and there was all, it was all high school students, about 40 of them. Most of what they wanted to know was so ambitious. They're like, do you think I should start extensively reading in Latin before I finish the grammar? Or do you think I should focus on the grammar? Or and they were asking for tips how, how to learn. And my most of my answers were kind of like, I think you should relax a little bit. <laughs> you know, you have a long time. And as I said in the talk, I started learning classical languages when I was in college and now I teach them. You are what, a ninth grader? So you have plenty of time. Don't don't worry about it. Um that's why I'm enjoying recording these with you because it's telling ourselves and reminding ourselves of the need for this, that the Sabbath was made for man. And uh and we actually, we actually need this. Otium and negotium, right? Leisure, then business. You have to, it, with business is, you know, the, the negative of leisure. So you, you have to have both. They have to go together. And I liked how you were talking about it, Jordan, and finding it, it doesn't have to be just that fifth day, right? It can be any day of the week or, or, or even on the weekend. You know, it's just about taking those times, taking those moments and, um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I wonder, and this could be another conversation about why, you know, the students today often seem, it's like, oh, I, ha I have to do, cross all these boxes and in order to be successful. But what we want to teach them is to be, you know, successful humanely as as human beings and 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 embracing the entire human being is like you said having that that sabbath having that moment where you you sit back and and uh relax have leisure and and it's those moments that are going to let you actually contemplate even these larger questions that you're thinking of you know, sometimes it's it's walking away, right? It's just walking away from something for a few minutes can sometimes re, re you know, energize you to keep going. And I, I really, I really enjoy this conversation. I hope we keep having it. And I'm going to keep polling all my students for sure about, you know, how are you using your fifth day on here? I, I like that it's becoming part of our conversation. It really speaks to the formation of the whole person that you were mentioning at, at the outset, Teresa. I think that's that's how we as people grow. We're not just doers and cogs in the machine or workers. We are people, and and it takes that space, the margin, what any of the words that we've used in our conversations on this broad topic. That's the space where we as people develop. Right. I was reading through some new piano pieces last night. And I am hopeful that when I come back today to them that 
what I worked on yesterday, my reading through of them yesterday will inform how I play them today. And if, as opposed to had I sat and practiced it much longer and then skipped however long time, which does happen a lot, <laughs> they'll go for a long time in between practice sessions sometimes. And I can tell if it's the difference between working on a little bit of time, letting it rest and thinking about it or listening to a recording of something of the piece I'm learning and then doing other things and coming back to it later, the end result is much better. It's human to rest. It's it's human to take these moments, and and that's yeah, what we want to form the whole the whole human. Yeah, we're built this way. That's, yeah, that's what it is to be, you know, truly to be liberally educated. It's not just about you know the subjects themselves. Those, I mean, those are vitally important, but it, it's the whole the whole person, the whole person we're we're looking at here. This has been fun. Uh, canvassing this topic with you all. So much to think about after these rich conversations. We would love to hear how our listeners embrace the fifth day, the ways that they make that work for them, what they might have been inspired by some of the conversations that have been happening around this topic to try out in their own families. And so let us know, please, listeners, by dropping us a line at podcast at colby.org commenting on the social media posts that announced this episode. We'd, we'd certainly love to hear how people embrace their fifth day. Thanks again for visiting with us on this topic, Therese, and giving us so much to think about. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I hope that everyone is inspired to go out and embrace their own fifth day. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.